Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you wish to be a part of this year program, uh, we are now officially, it is, um, if you're listening to this on delay, I say this on February 15th, 2022. We are now at 30. Kathleen Rice, uh, the Democrat from New York in the U.S. House of Representatives, is retiring. That's 30. It is February 15th. For perspective, it was May of 2010 when the Democrats hit 30 retirements uh, after during the big Tea Party era wave. They got to 35 by July. We're already at 30, and it's February 15th. This is why Nancy Pelosi decided to stay. She did not want to be number 30. She may quit after after the election, but she's going to stay on until the election is over. Now, we will get into that later, but I want to begin the program discussing the trucker strike in Canada. The truckers in Canada are uh, protesting. I shouldn't say striking. They're protesting. They are protesting because of the vaccine mandate in Canada, among other things. The science has now changed to quote what people say. We know that Omicron is far less severe. We know that the vaccines aren't really effective against it. We know that it's on the decline. It's even on the decline in Canada. And yet the Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, has demanded everyone get the vaccine. And it's applied to truckers now. And most truckers in Canada every survey has shown, are actually vaccinated. But there are some who are not. So they have decided to protest. Beyond protesting, however, they are blocking traffic. They are blocking commerce and trade. They have been blocking bridges. Uh, They've been tying up the traffic in downtown Ottawa. That's the capital of Canada, eh? They have decided to um, be seen, show their presence, tie up traffic, blare their horns in protest. I am a, a, a observer of situational ethics, if you will, and I, I do find it interesting that so many of the people who were so pro-protest during the George Floyd era, when they were burning buildings and, and vandalizing small businesses, are appalled at the truck drivers. I also have to note a lot of the people who were opposed at the, at the uh, George Floyd protest riots are fine with the truckers. Now, of course, there is a clear difference. To my knowledge, the truckers are not throwing Molotov cocktails into businesses and burning them to the ground, nor are they ransacking and looting small businesses around Ottawa or anywhere else in Canada. That's a significant difference. But I don't like it when the environmentalists, and this happened last week in Germany, I don't like it when the environmentalists uh, lay on the interstate and and the speed bumps make noise. I don't like it. I don't like it when they super glue themselves to the highway as an obstacle to impede traffic. I don't like it when protesters tie up traffic uh, in downtown Atlanta in the name of Black Lives Matters. I don't like that. I support their right to protest, and if they want to peacefully protest, that's fine. But I am vehemently opposed to them obstructing people who want no part in it. 
And to a degree, the truckers in Canada are doing that, are they not? They're tying up bridges, preventing other people from passing the bridge. They're tying up traffic in Ottawa. Uh, They had been blaring their horns through the night, keeping people up until a judge told them to cut it out. I don't, I, I, I try to be consistent in my view of this. I support everybody's right to protest. I'm not a big protester. I don't want to go hang out in a crowd. But God bless them for wanting to protest. But I, it probably would have been more effective had they just stopped driving their trucks and shown their um, impact on commerce by their refusal to work as opposed to gridlocking Ottawa in a way that nobody can get around. Now, all that being said, they have a right to protest. And it is fascinating to watch a whole lot of people who were perfectly happy with George Floyd protests upset with this protest because they don't like what they're protesting as opposed to being okay, it's their right to protest. Just don't disrupt other people. But uh, what we are seeing now is a reminder that the United States is a rather special place. Here now uh, is the Deputy Prime Minister for Canada track on a permanent basis. Second, the government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. So they're going to shut down the bank accounts of the protesters. They're going to lock them out. Uh, Justin Trudeau is just, uh, is declaring a state of emergency and embracing Emergency powers in Canada, which to a degree on this particular issue, make him dictator, if not dictator-esque. I want to remind you all, we live in the greatest country. We live in the greatest country. There are people who say this in every country. There are people who feel obligated to say it as a bit of rah-rah patriotism. No, no. I believe this. We are unique among the world. Canada is not a democracy per se. It's a monarchy. It has a parliamentary democracy under a monarch, Queen Elizabeth II of Canada. But it's a monarchy. The prime minister, through the government, can declare himself essentially a a dictator-esque Dictator light with his emergency powers. The president of the United States cannot do that. Our founders thought real hard about how they wanted to structure the United States government. And while it is not perfect, it is far better than any other country's system. The police power, the healthcare power, the education power remain with the states. The state governors can become dictator-esque to some degree, But even they are limited by the courts, as is the president. In Canada, there is no court that can stop Justin Trudeau. He is prime minister. He acts on behalf of the crown. Canada has a constitution that renders the crown fairly inert, but the crown has played a role in the past in dealing with parliamentary disputes 
There is no parliamentary dispute yet. Now, there will be some, and you know, I was originally in this camp who said, wait a second, they just had an election last year. They get the government they deserve, except I looked. Only a third of Canadians voted for the Liberal Party. That's Justin Trudeau's party. Because he's the head of that party, he becomes prime minister. Why? Because there are six parties in the Canadian Parliament in their House of Commons. And they, a majority of them, have formed a coalition and have given Justin Trudeau the title of prime minister. The Conservative Party actually got slightly more votes. The Liberal Party came in second. But the Liberal Party, combined with the Socialist Party, a Quebec Party, and a couple others, formed a coalition, got enough votes for the majority to give Justin Trudeau the prime ministership. So only a third of Canadians supported his party. Now, his coalition is starting to fray because of his heavy-handedness. The fact of the matter is Justin Trudeau is well-known in Canada for having the emotional temperament of a child. He is incapable of ever admitting he's wrong. He's incapable of changing his mind if he thinks it makes him look weak. And here, he should change his mind based on new data, but we have a series of reactions. Trudeau issued a vaccine mandate when it wasn't necessary. The truckers began to protest. Trudeau decided to crack down on the protesters. So the protesters decided to blockade the bridge. So Trudeau had the government, the judges, force them off the bridge. So they further blockaded Ottawa. So he's declared uh, dictatorship powers, essentially, his emergency powers. It's a series of reactions to reactions to reactions in the protest. The United States of America doesn't have to deal with things like this to, to a degree, yes, but not like in Canada. We have a First Amendment. Canada does not. We have a Second Amendment. Canada does not. We have a Tenth Amendment. Canada does not. The genius of our system put forward by our founders understood based on the British system what its flaws were, and Canada uses the British system. And so our system of government has concepts of vertical and federal and horizontal federalism. The states versus the states, horizontal federalism. The states versus the federal government, vertical federalism. We have a constitution where limited enumerated powers go to Congress. Sometimes it feels like Congress is the be-all, end-all of everything, but actually the powers are limited and enumerated. The president of the United States was unable to impose a vaccine mandate on the nation. Because the healthcare power resides with the states. We have a phenomenal system. As a number of commentators have, have said in the past, we have the First Amendment. We have the right to practice our religion, the freedom from the government imposing on us a religion, the right of the press to print their news, the right to speak up, and the right to protest and to assemble, to, to peacefully assemble and protest the government. And we have the Second Amendment if those five fail. And we have the Tenth Amendment to make clear that the powers to Congress are limited and enumerated and everything else resides with the states or the people. Canada doesn't have that. We look on Canada oftentimes as they're, they're our next-door neighbor, but they look like us. They kind of sound like us, eh? 
They're, they're more us than they are British subjects, even though the Queen of England is the Queen of Canada. Uh, you know, I said that yesterday, and someone was flabbergasted. They had no idea. Said, yes, yes, Queen Elizabeth II of Canada is also Queen Elizabeth II of Australia, Queen Elizabeth II of New Zealand, Queen Elizabeth II of uh, uh, Bermuda, of Jamaica, of the, the British Virgin Islands, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Absolute fire. I had no idea that uh, Canada had a queen. Well, they changed their flag a long time ago. It used to have the British Union Jack, like all the others do. It doesn't now. It has its own national anthem now. It, it rejected God Save the Queen, but it still has the queen in charge. It is a constitutional monarchy. The monarch is very limited in power, but it's a monarchy. It is not the American Republic. They may look like us. They may sound mostly like us, but it's a completely different system, and we should not extrapolate our system and apply it to them because it's different. But one of those great differences is no one voted for Justin Trudeau. People here voted for Joe Biden, and though I did not vote for him, he is my president. He is your president. With Justin Trudeau, only a third of Canada even voted for his party. And he's been imposed by a coalition of parties as the prime minister and now seeks to impose his will on a group of people who don't want to take a vaccine. And Joe Biden could, in fact, involve himself in this matter as a third-party honest broker because the shipping issues with the truckers hurts our commerce. But Biden is too distracted and incapable of multitasking. He could be a peaceful negotiator here and maybe even get Trudeau to realize we, we gotta, you got to stop reacting. It's not going to happen. At the end of the day, though, I want you to look at that trucking protest. I want you to remember the people who defended the George Floyd rioters, not the protests, the rioters, and there were a lot. They're now condemning the truckers for not doing the same thing. I want you to remember that. And I want you to remember the heavy hand of Justin Trudeau as he seizes bank accounts and their children. They're taking the children of the truckers from their homes. And I want you to remember something else. There but by the grace of God go us. We live in the United States of America and we should thank God for it. For all of our problems as a country, and there are many, we are still the best of all the countries with a constitution that protects us in a way that none of these other heirs of the British system can say. Our constitution has held up well over time, even as people gripe about it and want to yell about a national divorce and all that nonsense now. Look on us and look on Canada and realize how lucky we have it. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials 
They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bolin brand sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You can be a part of the program, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the show with me. The New York Times considers itself the paper of record. It says that Georgia and Tennessee have bans on mask mandates. I want you all to know I live in Georgia. Wherever you are in the nation, you are hearing me broadcast from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, where my office has signs up saying everybody wear a mask. If no one's around, I don't wear my mask, I'll be honest. But the state has no ban on mask mandates, and yet the New York Times says that uh, Georgia bans masks. It's not true. Same with Tennessee. In fact, Knoxville, Tennessee has a uh, mask mandate still. Uh, Iowa, likewise, parts of Iowa. This is ridiculous, uh, and it's supposedly the paper of record. Now, it's not just that. The New York Times is also doing something else you should know about. Since Republican states have started passing fetal heartbeat bans, the New York Times has gotten a couple of nutters and nut-picked the idea that, well, actually, it's cardiac uh, pulses. It's not actually a heartbeat in the fetuses. Now, I, I need you to know this. If you look at biology textbooks, they will say that the cardiac activity of the cardiac cells is the formation, the initial formation of a heartbeat. Everybody has known that forever. But because it's such a compelling argument to people, the abortionists themselves are having to redefine and say, well, it's not really a heartbeat because the heart hadn't developed yet. They're calling it all sorts of things now, fetal cardiac activity, cardiac rhythm, or even a cluster of pulsing cells. Now, many of the medical experts are abortionists themselves who work at abortion clinics. I I love the, the Washington Post effort here. What appears to be a heartbeat is simply a vibration of developing tissues that could not exist without the mother. They don't quote the doctor. They don't want you to know who the doctor is saying that. They call it embryonic cardiac activity. And New York Magazine says embryos don't have hearts. It's just pulsing cells, really. Now, the New York Times has actually been the worst uh, offender and has even used the phrase, the pulsing of what becomes the fetus's heart. They don't like it. They don't like that it's a compelling case. They're trying to revise the science itself. 
whether it's uh, data now about COVID and masks. I've had to stop going to the New York Times for reliable COVID data. And, you know, everyone agrees across the board for about a year, two years in, the New York Times had some of the most compelling, accurate data in charts. But now they've taken a turn towards the political to advance a narrative. And even their COVID objective data is bad. Hello, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Oh, boy. Cicero was a Roman orator. He was very famous. And he wrote about a man named... Damocles. He was in the court of Dionysius II of Syracuse, Sicily. And Damocles looked at Dionysius II and said, what a great life he had. What a, what a wondrous thing it would be to be the king looking at his riches and his wealth and all the people who would come and bow before him. And Dionysus II asked Damocles if he would like to trade places for a day. And Damocles, of course, said yes. He would love to. So the next day, Damocles came in wrapped in robes and finery and walked up to the throne of Dionysus II, who himself stepped aside for Damocles, made him king for a day. And there in the throne room with all the carpets and all the gold and all the silver and all the statues and all the marble and all the courtiers, Damocles sat down on the king's throne and looked up. And above him was a sword hung from the ceiling with a single strand of hair from the tail of a horse, barely strong enough to hold the sword. And Damocles was sick to his stomach. That sword could fall at any moment. And Damocles begged Dionysus II, please take the sword away. And Dionysus II said no. You wanted to know what it felt like to be the king. Now you know. For Damocles knew that at any moment death could come, hurtling down from above a sword through his skull, or abdomen if he laid back, because a hair snapped. The sword of Damocles is an instructive tale, whether true or not, of those things that hold over us that could potentially irreversibly alter our lives. With metronomic regularity, my wife goes every three months for scans for cancer. And today has been discombobulating for me because normally she has results sooner than she did. The scans are, I'll just cut to the chase, the scans are fine. But she's on a pill. Now listen, 
I know some of you very lovingly want to reach out. Please don't. The number of people who want to email me cures, suggested therapies, essential oils, which happens. Uh, It's kind of overwhelming and it, it, it actually doesn't help. People sometimes want to help in ways that are not helpful. And it just, it's frustrating uh, because you don't actually understand what you're dealing with and presume that you do. My wife has a genetic form of lung cancer. There's nothing we can do about it. It is stage four. She has tumors in all four lobes of her lungs. They are all very small. I think the largest is about five millimeters. But there are so many, they cannot take them out. And were they to do a lung transplant, as her cells begin to regenerate in in the lungs, they would come back because it's genetic. But she takes a pill. Every day she takes a pill. And the pill has some random weird side effects, but nothing super hazardous. Nothing really bad, but she takes this pill every day and the pill works for two years. We're now past five years. So every three months she goes and we don't know, will the tumors have grown? Um, Will they, will everything be okay? And for both of us, it's more emotional now than it used to be. Because it used to be, you know, we're in this two-year window. We know things will be fine. And now it's it's every three months with metronomic regularity. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Here we go, another scan. The sword of Damocles hangs over us. And I will tell you, the thing that really gets me more than anything else, more than anything, is I talk a big game about faith. And... What will happen on the day the sword falls? What will happen? Will I have been all bluster? Or when the rubber meets the road, will what I tell you be there? And I presume that it will. But there are days I'm not so sure. Days of weakness. And days like this, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm beside myself and normally the, the results come in a earlier in the day and, and scheduling wise with her doctor, she was later with her doctor and, uh, she has the best doctor. And, you know, l- let me just tell you guys, my wife, I've told the story before, but, but just, just bear with me here. Uh, in 2006, my wife was given six months to live and I had to be the one to tell her she was going to die week before Christmas. I had to be the one to tell her because there was a bad wreck and the doctors had to go to the emergency room. It was pouring down rain outside, terrible wreck on the interstate. They needed all hands on deck in the emergency room. The doctors went over. I got to be the one to tell her. It was a misdiagnosis. Um, She had a, the spots in her lungs, they weren't sure what they were. They sent them to the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic said they're benign. Don't worry about it. It was complete misdiagnosis. 10 years later, as I am being wheeled into a cardiac ICU unit, expected not to live more than the next 24 hours, 
because of blood clots in my lungs. My wife gets a phone call from the Mayo Clinic, and they say, hey, we had not talked to you in 10 years. Remember those things in your lungs? We're seeing people with cancer with them. You need to come out here. We think you have lung cancer. Sure enough, she does. Uh, had she not been misdiagnosed 10 years before, they would have never caught those tumors until it was too late. Rush Limbaugh, I guess on, on Thursday, we will commemorate him with his passing. He, a lot of people think, oh, he smoked. He had lung cancer because he smoked. He actually had genetic cancer. He and I spent a lot of time talking about it. His is a very similar genetic strain of the cancer that my wife has, and his was not caught until he developed a cough, and it was too late. Uh, hers was caught very early because of a providential misdiagnosis 10 years before. And so in that, I, I guess I kind of see the hand of the divine that had she not been misdiagnosed, that we wouldn't we wouldn't have had those years. We would have gone on for some time, but it still kind of flummoxes me to be in this, to the, the things you never expect to be in life. And here you are. And she's at peace about it, and I am too, but it's it stays like this to kind of get me knowing we're, we're outside that two-year window and now we're into five years and the medicine just keeps working. And you know, what's so funny is that the, the Mayo Clinic, and again, a, a, it, in my mind, a providential thing, the Mayo Clinic said, well, they would they would be perfectly happy to be her doctors and she could come out there all the time for checkups and stuff. But one of the foremost researchers in the world for her type of cancer is at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. And he's now her doctor. He helped develop the medicine that she's on. Uh, and, and so it, we've, we've got great medical care and we've got great insurance. Um, but it kind of overwhelms you sometimes, particularly, I guess, with me, because uh, I, I try to live my life as best I can with you guys and be as transparent as possible, sometimes uh, to the aggravation of my family, letting you know what's going on in life because I just kind of think relationally. Uh, we have more room to agree to disagree at times with each other uh, if we know where each other stands and knows what we're going through in life. And oftentimes, I know many people are going through things very similar to what we're going through as a family. And you you don't know what to do. And I can at least talk about what we're doing because I think it kind of helps other people to know you're going through the same thing. One of the things, though, that, that has come up in this discussion is inevitably every three months, someone will email or call the show or direct message me and say, how can you believe there's a God in heaven uh, who would let your wife go through this. How can you, are you that big of an idiot? You seem like a smart guy. Why do you really believe this stuff? You'd be surprised at the number of people who seem to think they're helping by sending you something like that. And then there are the malicious trolls as well who just want to do it and rub it in. Ha, your wife's got cancer and you think this imaginary sky fairy is going to take care of you. you well, I get that too. Every three months. As much metronomic regularity as the scans, those come in. But most of the people who do that, they really do mean well. Surprise, they actually do. Same with the people who tell me if you take the frankincense essential oil, it cures all cancer. They all mean well. They all mean well. They're just not walking the walk that we're walking in life right now and that some of you are walking. They don't understand and they think they understand. And I tell them all, the ones who say, how can you believe in this sky fairy when your wife has this? And I just think, how can I not? How can I not? 
Because, man, it would suck from my vantage point to think, oh, this is all just some random act of genetics and evolution. And, you know, we die, the worms eat our bodies, and that's it. When everybody who knows you dies, you're completely forgotten and go away. And, and that's just it. Ash to ash, dust to dust. And eventually the sun expands and consumes the world and the universe itself forgets all about you. Yeah, that's real reassuring. Take a lot of comfort in that. Or there's a place where we will all go and see each other again if we put our trust in God. And I would just say history bears out that that's the right one. There were too many eyewitnesses to what happened and to a resurrection. You know, there were several dozen people who claimed to be the Messiah. We know we, we, we've got documents of about a dozen of the two dozen. Only one of them really stands out. Only one of them do we celebrate his birthday and his resurrection. And there were lots of eyewitnesses for that. Some who lived well past him and kept writing and documenting. And I just, I'd like to think, you know, I, I, I believe in a, I believe in a God who loved us so much that he wouldn't give us a pass out of this. That's what people who don't understand and don't have my worldview have this nature of sin, that we live in a fallen world, cancer, illness, everything comes from being in the fallen world. Sin itself polluted our bodies, polluted the world. And he won't give us a pass out of it. And a lot of people say, well, that's really frustrating. Then that's, that's kind of a dumb thing. He won't, you believe in him, you love him, but he won't give you a pass. out." I was like, no, that's the thing. He loved us so much. He lived his whole life too. He came to earth and lived a life perfectly sin free. And still this world devoured him as well, but he conquered it. And because he did, we can. And there are days where I wonder when the sword falls, Will I really be able to still profess my trust in the sovereignty of the Lord? And I think I will, but today is not the day that I have to worry about that. Today is a good day. We get three more months to do this all over again. Now, before we get to break, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier, they've extended their sale, buy one, get one free. Uh, it's their BOGO. What you can do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and you can put in Eric BOGO, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. And you will buy one, get one free. If you are not familiar with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it is an air purifier, but it's not a giant one. Like I've got a giant R2-D2 sized uh, giant air purifier for our back porch with uh, giant filters and all of that. And the Eden Pure is actually very portable and you can take it room to room if you need it. You can put it in your car. The, the giant one we keep on our back porch is no way you could put that in your car. No way you carry it around. The thing is a couple hundred pounds on wheels. This, you can take it to your hotel room. You can take it to your RV. You can take it to your car. You can take it to your basement. You can take it upstairs. And right now you get two of them as well. One of them for free. What you do is you go to uh, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in Eric Bogo as your code. You put the Eden Pure Thunderstorm uh, two-pack in your cart. At checkout, you'll see a discount code box. And you put in E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. Eric Bogo, and you will buy one. You will get one for free, EdenPureDeals.com. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this here program. Glad to, glad to have you. Um, the, a, a federal judge, this is breaking news, this 
actually literally just happened um, as we were in commercial break. A uh, federal judge in the Middle District of Georgia, Trump-appointed federal judge, has issued an injunction against the Department of Defense uh, and the vaccine mandate uh, on the religious exception grounds. I'm digesting uh, the order right now, but essentially the judge points out that uh, though the Department of Defense has claimed that there was a um, religious exception they've refused to give them and to anyone, which prima facie suggests there's not really a religious exemption since defendants' COVID-19 vaccination requirement is neither neutral toward religion nor generally applicable, it is unlikely to pass strict scrutiny. And because defendants' COVID-19 vaccine requirement is unlikely to pass strict scrutiny, it is likely or probable the plaintiff will prevail on her First Amendment claim. It's a her. Therefore, plaintiff has clearly established the first necessary element to obtain a preliminary injunction under the First Amendment as well. Uh, pretty big ruling out of the Middle District of Georgia there uh, from a Trump-appointed federal judge who uh, has taken the case of someone in the Air Force, an unnamed uh, Air Force officer suing Lloyd Austin, Frank Kendall, Secretary of the Air Force, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, and Robert Miller, Surgeon General of the Air Force, uh, his, uh, th- this, uh, and it's a female officer in the air force and this officer gets the religious exception. I, 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 I want to digest this some during commercial break, but just let me, let me read you this real quick. Um, although the air force claims to provide a religious accommodation process, it proved to be nothing more than a chaotic quest for plaintiff because it was by all accounts theater. Despite thousands of requests for religious exemptions, the Air Force hadn't granted a single one of them when plaintiff filed her complaint. Wow. Um, That one in and of itself is pretty big. So, uh, wait, he asked why. Because until about two weeks ago, apparently no religious exemption from a COVID-19 vaccine was quote-unquote compatible with military service. The Air Force defends its action by arguing that the military has a compelling interest in maintaining the health and readiness of its forces, and that interest is compelling enough to overcome any constitutional or statutory challenge to it. But even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. He quotes the U.S. Supreme Court. The judge does. Wow, fantastic. Good for the judge. Uh, This is why Trump-appointed federal judges matter. Um, excellent read. I will digest more of this and come back. Uh, and also we got other stuff we got to talk about there out there. In fact, um, we got a crazy person in St. Louis who tried to gun down a mayoral candidate. Turns out the person is both the black lives matters and anti-gun activist. The one who pulled the trigger that is, oh yes. And have you heard about Biden's poll numbering in the States down everywhere? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can 
So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.